This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and I hope everybody out there is doing okay with all of the really intense uh, Mother Nature stuff going on. We've got lots of hurricanes coming in and hitting and that. We've got fires. We've got a lot of stress in our lives, COVID. There's a lot of things going on, and it is hard, very hard for us to take care of ourselves, um, at this kind of time, it's very easy to just kind of let our health go by the wayside because I think a lot of us just kind of feel like emotionally we might be just we might be hanging on by our fingernails. Um, also, the stressors of everyday everything, you know, paying bills and going to work and taking care of the kids and just getting through the day, um, and that's a lot. So, but. It is all with that. All that said, it is read a new book month here um, in September, and so one of the things I would encourage all of you to do is to make sure you read a new book. And I have a suggestion for a book for you guys. It is called "Don't Let the Memories Fade," and I am so lucky that we have the author is going to talk to us today. Her name is Karen Kunkel, and when her mother was diagnosed with dementia, she set out on a quest to discover why this happened to her mom and how she could help her mother and how she could prevent or decrease the odds of it happening to her. She learned what inspired her to embark on what she considered the most important mission of her life to make dementia and Alzheimer's rare diseases and to control and empower those um, and take control of their health and future. Don't Let the Memories Fade just came out September 12th and is available at Amazon. And you can find Karen at her website, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and her Amazon author page. All the links are going to be in the write-up of the show. But we are lucky enough to have her talk, come talk to us today. How are you today, Ms. Karen? Uh, actually, it's Kate. <laughs> Kate Kunkel, yeah. No worries. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I wrote Karen. I will change that. That's, thank you for saying something. Because I typed Karen and then I wrote Kate, which is a beautiful <laughs> way to segue into brain wellness. Because <laughs> apparently my brain was elsewhere this morning. So that's, um, that's all right. Boy, I, you know what? <laughs> I was like that so much before I started this protocol. I, I honestly, yeah. I would sit there and I try to think of the name of an object, you know, like, like a tea kettle. And yeah. I, I would look at it and of course I knew what it was, but the word would somehow not be there. And I knew that that was the first thing that happened to my mom when when she first started showing symptoms of her cognitive decline it was with uh-huh. her language she couldn't do words mm-hmm. and i noticed too i talked to some friends of mine whose um mother-in-law uh this one particular friend of mine she would talk about um her mom her mother-in-law would stand there and watch the phone ring and she's like i know i'm supposed to do something but i'm not sure what it is and so it's uh-huh. not the situation of where where are my keys? Because everyone loses their keys. You know, everyone like, right. where did I put that? It's what are the keys for? That's that's mm-hmm. the difference of knowing when it's just like an overwhelming day versus an actual neurological something going on, right? Right, and also when it's when it's not just once in a while. Like um, 
I don't lose right. my keys very much anymore. That's something. That, but when it happens all the time, or you find them in really bizarre places, like the fridge, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, then mm-hmm. it's something. Another thing that's that's um, uh, an interesting symptom, and um, uh, we saw that in the movie Still Alice, where she couldn't find her way back from somewhere. Um, and, yes. and that's a very common uh, indicator that you have some issues going on when a place where you normally know it really well and then all of a sudden you have trouble getting there or getting back from there, that's pretty common. Huh. And it would, and some people kind of blow it off, right? Because it's like, oh, I'm just thinking of other things. Um, exactly. But exactly. that's a big deal. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't blow it off. Don't blow it up yeah. because you know what? It, 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 it will get worse because unless you stop or unless you reverse the things that are causing those to happen, um, mm-hmm. then it will get worse. And I always say it's never too early to look after your brain, but boy, can it get too late. Right. Well, and let's back up a little bit because, you know, your mom was diagnosed about a decade ago, Correct. Correct. Okay, and you saw these, you're saying you kind of started seeing some of these. Did, did you see them before she noticed them, or was it something that she came to you and said, you know, I don't feel like things are gelling the way they're supposed to? Yeah, so mom, mom did not mention it at all. In fact, she was in total denial for most of, most mm. of the early stages. Um, and my dad and sister and I and my brother-in-law, we were all like, you know, there's something wrong, and her personality really changed. She became very um, private, and she didn't want to go out, but I think that's because she realized that her words were not coming properly, and she didn't want Mm -hmm. to get embarrassed because she couldn't speak properly. Yeah, and that's I think it's hard, too, because um, I know in in, um, American society, and I know it's different in other places, but this need to hurry up. So the patience is not there for a lot of people to just simply wait for someone to find that word. Um, yeah. Versus, you know, again, like we're talking about an overwhelming day versus um, a, a really something being off. Um, and I think that that's hard, too, because I, I would think that people would feel very pressured to hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And if you feel yeah, like that is, and my mom yeah. especially, my mom had two jobs all of her life, um, mm-hmm. and raising two girls, and her own mom uh, had a form of dementia, so she was looking after her in later years. So my poor mom was always in a hurry, and um, the, my first memories of her are hurry up, we gotta go, hurry up. <laughs> and so when she was struggling then with words, even for herself, it without us, because I was perfectly willing to wait, but she mm-hmm. got impatient and she yeah. she felt embarrassed and, and then she started getting angry. Mom mom's dementia went um like that. She she became mm-hmm. angry. Yeah. I noticed I worked as a, a nurse for many years and we would take care of uh, a lot of people with dementia and Alzheimer's. And um, sometimes uh, they would also get what's called sundowners, uh, mm-hmm. where, and if people aren't familiar with that, it's, it's, it's people who, who you're talking to and you're having perfectly wonderful and, you know, say rational conversations during the day, logical, and then at night it's all out the window. Um, so it was very interesting to see uh, the personality changes in people 
who especially and, and you know I hate to put it this way but like the little little old church ladies man they had a lot to say um <laughs> all that and stuff very that's been repressed language. all those years <laughs> yeah all that colorful language that they've been holding in and it was very very distressing for their families yeah. to hear yeah. that kind of stuff um, yeah i didn't know yeah. my mom knew those words i didn't know my mom knew those words yeah yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's it's a little, and, and I think too, I, I would guess, when you're going through that as as the caregiver, you're sitting there thinking as you did of, okay, wait, so, genetically speaking, it's possible this could happen to me, but what can I do to yeah. decrease that possibility, yeah. or even just stop it altogether? Yeah. So the the thing with um, Alzheimer's, um, the the genetic component. Um, is APOE4 gene. And um, the thing is, though, lots and lots of people have that gene, and they don't yeah. have Alzheimer's. But mm-hmm. even more people have Alzheimer's, and they don't have that gene. So that oh, tells you it has to be environmental. You know, it has to okay. be something else. Like we can have the cancer gene, but it doesn't express. My mom also had cancer. She actually died of cancer with Alzheimer's. So the cancer came back on the fifth time. It was when she had already, she was already far advanced in her dementia, and mm-hmm. there was obviously no opportunity or or reason to to do extreme measures for the cancer because we knew she wasn't mm-hmm. going to survive anyway. But right. um, she she you know we have those cancer genes. I may have those cancer genes. I won't get tested because I don't believe that we need to know that stuff. That's my personal mm-hmm. opinion. I believe mm-hmm. that the best form of, of prevention is, or form of action is prevention. So that's mm-hmm. that's my take on it, and it's that, that's the same with Alzheimer's and cancer for for me, and it's the same with heart problems. My dad has heart problems. His dad had heart problems. His dad had heart problems. So mm-hmm. you know, you just have to to do what you can to look after yourself enough to take away the possibility as much as you can. Well, and I think, too, it's a balance because um, I have a very good friend of mine who uh, was very proactive, and uh, she has every woman in her family develop breast cancer before 37. And so mm-hmm. she was very proactive. But not only was she able to, um, you know, stay on top and never develop breast cancer, uh, she she was also very aware of everything that goes into it. So it's not just – it's it's not for – Everyone, it's like, okay, you take a test and you say, oh, okay, well, I will or I won't. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's kind of like, I guess, um, you know, taking a pill and thinking you're going to be skinny. It's 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 work. <laughs> you you have to invest in yourself on multiple levels. Is and exactly. so for some people, part of that puzzle is the test, and some people is like, you know what, I I don't need to know that because I'm going to do these other things anyway. Um, right. And yeah. So I think that it's it's a balance, but certainly being invested no matter what in your health. Absolutely. And that's the whole thing about don't let the memories fade. Right from the get-go, mm-hmm. I implore people, please don't don't wait. Don't think that you are immune. Because, you know, the, the recent study just came out where my generation, I'm a baby boomer, so I'm 62, mm-hmm. and my generation now is exhibiting cognitive cognitive decline earlier than the generation before. That's the first time that's ever happened. 
when our generation Mm -hmm. has developed it earlier. So already the statistics are that if you're over 65 and you're a woman, you have about a 60% or 40% chance of developing Alzheimer's or dementia Mm -hmm. of some kind, not Mm -hmm. necessarily Alzheimer's. And we have twice as big a chance of developing it as men already, three to hmm. three to two, right? So that, that just tells you um, we have to start as early as we can because already we're getting this earlier. Dementia is forming earlier. I believe from my research and from my own experience that it's partly the, the food supply, it's mm-hmm. the stress levels, Um, the poisons in the air, the water, it's just everywhere. And those toxins are a huge uh, um, risk factor for all of us. Well, and like you're saying, too, also, I think the more sedentary lifestyle um, is also a factor in there. Because, you know, if you're just sitting, and I've got four kids, and they've had virtual school because of all the stuff that's been going on. Um, And, you know, I have a a high-risk concern and my husband has a high risk concern and so you know we're doing what we can but I notice that if they're sitting too long um they just get like everything gets draggy yeah and they just get kind of dull and then they fight with each other more and they're just kind of (laughs) um so yeah and so we've talked about if they went back to school in the early phases but they're just sitting at a desk the whole time the way they've had it set up here in you know one room all day, and I thought, well, at least at home they could get up and jump up and down, and and yeah, know, yeah. five minutes movement they could run around is, the backyard. Yeah, yeah, movement is so important, and fresh air. Oh my gosh, I wrote a whole mm-hmm. article about that in my blog. How the, the mm-hmm. people being kept inside is the worst thing we can do for our immune system, number one, but also yeah. it's bad for everything else that contributes. To, to bad health. So if you're not getting that vitamin D, you're more likely to develop all kinds of medical issues, including dementia, <laughs> later in mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. really important to get outside and to move. So you've got your book, and so you've, you're, you're going through this journey with your mother. And what was the catalyst that made you say, I'm going to write this to, was it a start is for yourself only, or was it saying, I'm going to help myself and other people? So the writing came later. So the the research began 10 years ago when mom was was done. And I had also just been uh, diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And Mm -hmm. autoimmune diseases like MS, RA, Mm -hmm. those all also precursors, they can be precursors to developing dementia because it's all the same thing. It all comes from inflammation. So I, I was able to reverse my symptoms I haven't had a flare-up in years, but I think um, that the fact that I was getting better and I could think more clearly, oh, my gosh, the difference in my, my brain was just incredible. And I was feeling so much better, and I started sharing it with other people in my circle. And then I thought, yeah. you know what? I need to help other people because when my mom then went into long-term care, there is nothing nothing more depressing than seeing a lineup of old women it was all old women in this section mm-hmm. she was in they were parked in wheelchairs in front of a tv that wasn't even on and they didn't mm. even know that they were parked in front of a tv that wasn't on and my yeah. heart broke over and over every time i went there sorry i'm getting emotional but no I please thought, I, go ahead i don't want 
anybody to, to suffer this. And there's, I know yeah. that I can help. So that got the fire under my butt. And I was in a completely different space in my life. I'm a harpist. Sure. I, I own a little retreat center here in Ecuador. My life was very calm and collected. But I felt because I had been able to reverse this for me and help so many others of my friends, okay, I've got, I've got to do this. And I know there are other books out there but, but that help, but they're so technical. They're so medical. And, and mm-hmm. people just... You know, you glaze over when you read them. Even I glaze over when I read them. <laughs> so, so, you know, regular folks are going to glaze over. So I thought, I'm going to do this. And it was, honestly, it was going to be like a little 30-page freebie that I could sure. email. But then when I got doing more and more, I thought, okay, i got to let people know why and yeah. how. So right. then the why came, and you you see in the, all the chapters, I, I've given you the books, so you see the chapters that say why, like social isolation, like lack of exercise, like poor sleep, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. poor nutrition. All those things are the whys, but now we've got to fix it. So now mm-hmm. the whole last half is, is fixing it, and that's where I talk about all the foods that are good for reducing inflammation and helping with diabetes and all that. So that's how that whole thing came about. I, didn't, I had no intention of writing a book, and I certainly yeah. wasn't going to write a 340-page book, but that's what it ends <laughs> up. But that's where you are. You know what would be, I think, would be a lovely um, compliment to, and, you know, not that you don't have anything else you're doing. Um, But, I mean, uh, worksheets or like a workbook um, would be fun. Um, And even like print and color pages. I mean, I'm just saying, because I, I remember going through my nursing clinicals, and I was so stressed, and I didn't do well the first round, and I was just, devastated because I was so, I worked so hard to get my RN from my LVN or LPN. And um, I was just like, I am not going to freak out on my next clinical. So before I went, I bought a coloring book and crayons and I sat outside the room um, before testing and would color. Good for you. And the other Students were like, whatever, what is she doing? Well, let me tell you, I was sailing through those clinicals. And so by the, like, before the very last one, I was coloring. And someone's like, um, do you have any extra? I'm like, no, go get your own, you know, because I'm <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why I encourage people to draw, even if it's just yeah. like Zentangles or mandalas or that sort of thing. In fact, when you mentioned that, I'm just like this week, I decided to, the course I mentioned to you in our pre, pre-talk here, um, uh-huh. this week I was learning how to create programs for people. And um, what I'm doing starting the 28th of September, I'm having a little program that's going to be five weeks, and we're going to go through all the cool things you can do with music and mindfulness, uh-huh. like coloring, and meditation to help improve your brain. The whole yes. idea is to, to, to take it, and, and this has gotten really very little to do with nutrition. I'll talk a little bit about it. But this first step is to, to de-stress, to chill out, to be able to focus mindfully on things. So, yeah, it was very, it's interesting you mentioned that because, yeah, I know that there's a lot in the book. It's too much at once for most people. So I'm going to make it in little chunks. And yeah, even I'm developing a little journal even so that folks can, you know, make 
notes and stuff like that because I think it's important to take everything we do. My mama used to say when, you, when you're doing something big, it's like eating an elephant, one bite okay. at a time. One bite at so a time. So that's what we're doing and, with, with this. I'm glad you bring that, you know, that's, I think that's a really good way to start with the talking about nutrition because I know depending on where people live, um, it, you know, you have different factors that you're fighting um, with, um, oh, um, you know, how to cook or what to cook or what have you yeah. or how it's prepared or grown. Um, right. And there's different things because a lot of people don't seem to understand the difference between being a vegan a vegetarian or like a, a you know, lacto-ovo-vegetarian. I mean, you know, there's all these different ones. And so right. you address that about it's, it's, not, it's not like you just walk in your kitchen one day and say, okay, everything out, we're starting over. Because a lot of people no. can't afford that. No, I certainly <laughs> um, couldn't. Mine was a very yeah. gradual. Yeah. 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 But I mean, and I think what was the hardest knowing. thing for you to give up? What was the hardest in your dietary change? Mm-hmm. What was the hardest thing? <laughs> potato chips. <laughs> oh, I, I love potato chips and French fries, and and even and I'm vegan, so the the the, the um it wasn't like they're not vegan. Most of them are vegan, right? But it, they're not yeah. whole foods. <laughs> so yeah. th- that was the hard thing for me. And every once in a while, my husband will home, bring home a bag of uh, corn chips because here uh-huh. the corn is not genetically modified. So I will eat the corn chips here. And that's my little trick because they're not as salty here. Things are not as uh-huh. salty here. It's very interesting. And they're not as sweet right. here. But anyway, so yeah, that was the hardest thing for me. But the first thing I got rid of, and I recommend it to all my, because I, now I do some private coaching because there's mm-hmm. so many people who are coming to me and saying, I, I, I can't do this myself. So, so right. I do that. And the first thing I ask people to do is, is the sugar, the sugar and mm-hmm. the packages of stuff. So, yeah, a lot of mm-hmm. people have lots of packages of stuff in their cupboard. And if they can donate it or they can just toss it, I don't recommend that because I hate wasting food. But if there's right. something they can do with it, Please get rid of it if you've got um, uh, not enough money. Excuse me. Uh, so, um, yeah, somebody just showed up at my window. Uh, so <laughs> to get rid of the processed stuff, and if mm-hmm. you can do that. If you have to work through it, here's an idea. You've got all these packages. Spread them out so that you've mm-hmm. got more fresh foods with a little bit of processed. More fresh foods. Mm-hmm and a little less processed, you know, work it out that right. way so that you're not wasting anything. But they are the processed foods because we don't even know what's in there, right? And I always say, and this was even before I, I went on this journey with mom, if I can't pronounce it, I don't eat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't Breyers do um, a commercial about that years ago about uh, their ingredients, like you could read all their ingredients? They had kids reading the labels. Of the different, uh, it was a, it was a brilliant <laughs> yes. marketing thing, um, but you know, Briars had like cream, sugar, milk, you know, um, yeah. and then the others had a bunch of stuff you couldn't pronounce. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I I always wonder about that. But it's interesting that you say sugar because a lot of people are like, oh well, you know, I can cut sugar back, but it is everywhere in American food, like everywhere. Yeah, you really have to be smart on how to read labels because it hides in other words, right? Maltodextrose or whatever. You'll see all kinds fructose. of things. Uh-huh. Fructose mm-hmm. and high fructose corn syrup. Please, yeah. everybody listening, go away from it. Do not let that pass your lips. 
it is like mm-hmm. so bad for you. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. inflammatory. It messes with your diet, like your insulin reception. It's just really bad. Right. And it, and it's you mentioned the and anti-inflammatories. I mean, this is not only what you're talking about for mental health, but it also aggravates asthma, respiratory, um, you know, in, any kind of inflammatory cascade that could happen. Um, yeah. It just, it definitely, it's, it's not good for let's it's and if people are rolling their eyes going okay whatever but honestly it's just not good for you you know let's just put yeah. it there um yeah. you know, nobody needs to eat cookies for breakfast at least not every day <laughs> let's just not have that <laughs> you I know, know what i can't even right stand now. <laughs> you know i don't even like the taste of cookies anymore mhm I, I like yeah. somebody offered me a cookie that she had made and it was mm-hmm. vegan but it had sugar mm-hmm. in it and I tasted it, and I'm like, I don't like this taste. I don't like mm-hmm. sugar. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, it's a pr- yeah, definitely it's a process. So yeah. we've, we've touched a little bit on the book and then the different things in it, but one of the big things that I loved about reading through your stuff is how much music plays a part in all of this. Um, oh, you're a harpist. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, which is not an easy instrument to learn. Um, but, you know, I have seen so much music therapy over my lifetime and just didn't realize that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. And especially, now, if you were lucky enough to work in a, in a hospital environment where they do music therapy or harp therapy, it's mm-hmm. really incredible. I have a really cool story about that. So I worked for 20 years in Las Vegas as a harpist. And one of the gigs I did was for a fundraiser for a hospital. Mm-hmm. And they asked us, my, my former husband and I, we had a CD called Millennium. And um, the hospital, when they hired us to do the, the fundraiser, the dinner, the banquet, they asked, um, they wanted a copy of our CD for every plate at this fundraiser. There were like 600 people there. It was a very lucrative wow. gig. <laughs> yeah, I guess but so. A very interesting story. So we were playing and the doctors were, you know, all these doctors and people. And two of the doctors got called away on an emergency during the dinner. That was still in the time of beepers. <laughs> they got called away, but they grabbed the CDs and that uh-huh. were at their plate and took them with them. They were in the emergency room. It was a really bad accident with lots of very badly hurt people. And Mm -hmm. the guy said, the one doctor said to the nurse, put this CD on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because he'd just been listening to us play. Please put this CD on. They did. And he, he he wrote to me afterward and he said, I have to tell you that I think you might have saved some lives last night. Wow, because what we what the music did was to calm everybody down, the families, the patients, the staff, because mm-hmm. it was very relaxing harp and guitar music, and it was what they needed in that particular situation. Think about it, people triage, all this stuff going on, and people very scared, and in the background is this. And because it's mm-hmm. 50 beats a minute, that's how we did that. We help people's heart rates go down. 
Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was a very cool thing. But music, yes, it's so, so powerful. And I do a lot in the book about music. You know that musicians' brains are actually the the the, the white matter that connects the two hemispheres between the brain is actually thicker in a musician. Huh. I did not know that. So that means the Makes messages. Me get back into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The messages can get between the two hemispheres better. So um, musicians are able to use both sides of their brains more efficiently because music is math, right? So right. it's using the two hemispheres, and so that connection between them is built more. And that brings me to the idea of neuroplasticity. You hear all about that these days. You know, sure. get these brain games and get neuroplasticity. And it is a real thing, but it's not just from playing games. It's when you build those new connections, and that can mostly, I mean, music and learning a new language are two of the most effective ways to do it, but you can do it by learning something new. Sure. I know, I remember years ago, and and this was, oh gosh, um, I think it was in Life magazine, so it was a long time ago, Um, and it was talking about this group of nuns that um, they had done a social experiment. So for every year, they would, one of them, well, all of them, would pick a new instrument or a new language, and they had um, their average life expectancy was like 106 or something. Um, And they all lived to be wonderfully older, but they also were mentally capable until, you know, they basically had the lovely long sleep. Um, And so it was, it was one of those things that I really remember that because it was one of it was saying you know like we're talking about if you're just sitting there watching TV or doing nothing and your brain gets draggy, but that kind of that jump start of learning that that instrument, learning that language, it kind of zaps your brain into into working. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask you is with musicians, is this someone who plays an actual instrument or learns an instrument, or is it also vocal? Just vocal. Oh, it can be. It can also be go- vocal because remember, you're now. There's a little bit more of the connection when you're doing the math because when you're doing the instrument because you are also mm-hmm. getting physically involved in a like a. You have to learn patterns. You have to learn yes. where to place your fingers and those patterns. It's like dancing. You can just mm-hmm. dance like goofy dancing, or you can dance like salsa or tango or rumba where you have to actually move the, your feet in coordination with someone else mm-hmm. or choreographed. So there okay. is a difference. But the singing, you're, remember you're also you're, you're invoking then also that the lung thing and more oxygen and all of that. So you've got what you lack in the, the physical part of the musician of being a musician of an instrument, you make up in other ways with singing. Right. Okay. Okay. That's good. And you can also, also some, yeah. a, a really ahead, powerful dear. thing is singing in a choir or singing in a group. Okay. And it doesn't matter how well you sing. It doesn't matter if you're off key. It does not matter. When we sing with other people, not only are we getting the benefits of the singing itself, we mm-hmm. actually are our hearts synchronize. And that social connection, that heart mm-hmm. connection, people dismiss it a lot, but it is very important and it is very good for your brain. Singing with other people. Yeah. 
Well, and, you know, I know that people are like, okay, yeah, music. Um, but, I mean, they've done extensive studies on how it helps treat depression and decreases stress, and um, it helps soothe people with uh, neurological issues, uh, saying, um, even something of autism, or it helps just basic self-expression. Um, I mean, think about people going to concerts. You have this social connection because everybody wants to sing this song. It means something. Um, you know, I still get teary watching Freddie Mercury do Live Aid, you know, because I've made yes. my kids watch that 20 minutes probably three or four times because I'm like, you don't understand what he was trying to say. Um, <laughs> they just they look at me like, we got it, Mom, we do. Um, but it's it's one of those things of it's just more powerful, I think, than people realize. Um, mm-hmm. And it it's when when I worked on the floor of the ICUs, I'd always tell people to bring in if there's music they like, um, yeah. just just as a familiarity. Even if somebody's in you know unconscious or um, in the stages of dementia, uh, whatever stage that yeah. might be, the yeah. music and, and is actually soothing. And it can actually, I'm sure you've seen those videos where they bring iPods with, with some music that the patient experienced when they mm-hmm. were younger, and they'll let them listen to it, and they, they come back for a while. They'll come mm-hmm. back, they'll talk about their memories. And that's one of the preventive things. So, like, um, it was a little bit too late because I learned it a little bit too late for mom, but I have recommended to to other friends who's, parents have begun those stages and what I asked them to do this is and I I can't remember the doctor's name in California I initially heard it from him it's Mm -hmm. to play a piece of music with the patient and talk with them about it okay because especially if you know that it's something they loved well you have to have something that they knew and loved and you talk with them about it it helps um, strengthen the connection, the social connection, firstly, that heart connection, but it also mm-hmm. brings back memories. And you can do that with other things as well. You can do it with scents, so like cooking, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. with, with um, fabric. So if like a, a fuzzy oh, toy, tactile. maybe they... Okay. Yes, yeah. tactile. All of the senses. So you get all the senses involved but it really works best, at, well, it really only works if there is someone there with them. It's a big thing. It's a lot mm-hmm. of work, I sure, but I sure wish I'd known it when Mama first started because I would have done that with her. I, I learned it too late. Well, and I think, too, it's kind of a sweet memory um, that I remember when I played the song for my mom and she told me the story that I had never heard before, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. And then when you hear that song later... They, it's like, oh, that's kind of a bittersweet memory, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just really super powerful. Are there any particular songs that you um, that you really appreciate in regarding to music therapy, but that you've like songs that kind of re- repeatedly come up when you've talked to other people of what they've used as a connection? Yeah, and it's really funny because I'm not a religious person at all, but the song "Amazing mm-hmm. Grace." Oh wow! I can't uh-huh. tell you. How many times? Amazing grace, and then um, in 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 this um, more religious community, things like for the older people, there are songs like mm-hmm. the old rugged cross and stuff okay, like those yeah. old hymns. Those really connect. Um, so it depends very much on the 
the background of the person, but even my dad, who's about as religious as a rock, he starts (laughs) crying and he remembers memories connected to Amazing Grace because of his mom. You know, my yeah. Oma, she loved music. And, and, of course, for him, it's also Mozart because Oma was a huge Mozart fan. So sure. it's really, yeah, it depends on what's in the background. And But I have personally witnessed it many times with Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. Wow. So when you're talking to different people, I mean, and I'm sure that this is very, this is very depending on the gender and religious background and cultures and what country and, and you know, racial um, um, background or race, racial relations as well as socioeconomic um, barriers that you're finding when you're teaching and talking to people about this. I mean, what are some of, like, can you give me some of the most common ones and then how you help people work around these or work through these? Sure. Well, you, not with music. You mean with everything, right? Yeah, so, with the so whole approach to With this. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's really interesting because um, here where I live in Ecuador, dementia is not very common. Mm-hmm. We get about a tenth of the n- number of cases per capita that they get in North America and Europe. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, Europe. Okay. And Europe. And Europe. Yeah, Europe is actually very high. Sweden is one of the highest. Um, mm. And, and there's, there's a, a, there are a couple of theories about why in North America and Europe, one, of course, is the processed food and, and mm-hmm. lack of movement for many people, but also because those countries are very clean. And that's going to sound really weird, but... No, I we, mean, it's kind of the same thing they've done with um, um, asthma studies, you know. Yeah. Yes, Exactly. Mm-hmm. We the, the 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 antibiotics, the antibacterials, the anti everything that is such a big part of life there uh, has destroyed our gut microbiome. So we have mm. that. So one of the things when you said about across socioeconomic barriers, here it's dirty. Like a lot of things are dirty. Things are not sterile like I was used to. But mm-hmm. you don't have kids with asthma. You just don't, like, I don't know any kids with asthma. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. Now, there is some ADHD. I think it's because of the sugar. The sugar came into Ecuador with pop. Like, like they really use a lot of pop here. They've been sure. brainwashed into believing that pop is better for you than water. And that's something mm-hmm. we have to mm-hmm. overcome. But it's it's very different because we just don't have dementia. We don't have the... The asthma problems, it's very interesting. So that's one of the things. But going back to people having differences between socioeconomic, part of it, I mean, think of the the poorer areas in big cities. They don't Mm -hmm. have access. Even if they had the money, they're called food deserts, right? They don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. You have these little tiny grocery stores or convenience stores where everything's packaged, and hot dogs are three for two dollars. So you can Mm -hmm. feed a family so they're not hungry anymore for two dollars, but they're not they're they're getting no nutrition. So I think that's one thing, and and that is partly a societal problem, and that's something that we all need to address, I think, as human beings, because that's just not acceptable that people only have access to food like that, because they can't even take the bus to go somewhere because they don't have the money to take the bus to go to get a better meal. Right. Or there, I mean, honestly, there's some neighborhoods that aren't going to be friendly to someone who's coming in to buy better groceries, and I mean, there's a lot of... yeah. 
just yeah. seems to be a lot of anger going on. Um, and, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. Um, anyway, yeah. so um, <laughs> nutrition is a big – you know, you mentioned that, and it really made me remember when I was a kid, um, and you talked about Cokes um, being more important than water, the idea – there, you know, Coca-Cola, the soda companies, really pushed the, you know, this is great for your kids, like in the 40s and 50s. Um, but even when I was a kid in the 70s, it was still more expensive than milk. And so yeah. we never got soda at home. We never got Cokes yeah. at home because it was just more expensive. And right. it was a big treat when we'd go to my grandmother's because she would get them. Um, <laughs> and we drank Tab. Do you remember Tab? Oh, um, it was, oh, it was dreadful stuff, but we drank it because, you know, it was new. Um, but even now, and it's funny because I've gone full circle. I don't, we don't have it in the house. Um, because it's just like, why? We've got water and milk. And even though, like you're saying, you can get junk food for really cheap, um, it's just it's just not worth it for us. Now, yeah. I know a lot of other people are like, well, I love having my so many Diet Cokes a day or what have you, and it's like, that's great for you. Um, can it, but but, but a, Diet Coke, yeah. Diet, I have to stop, because Diet, any kind of artificial sweeteners, you might as well so just like yeah, because they're so bad for your brain for e- like everything, but mm-hmm. really for your brain. Aspartame is a mm-hmm. neurotoxin. That means it poisons your neurons. <laughs> that means yeah. you can lose your brain very easily with it. And I, you know, I when I met my current husband and he was drinking Diet Coke, I said, "Look." And this is long before Mama got sick. I said, "Look." If you're going to drink this stuff, we're not going to have a relationship because I am not going to be watching you uh, drool in a, old, in a hospital yeah. because you've lost yeah. all your brain cells. <laughs> well, and it's, it's interesting because we've gone to the movies and such, and, and I'll, if I get, like, a popcorn, which I know is not good mm-hmm. for me, but if I go to the movies, I'll get a popcorn, and, and you get a drink with it, and I'll say, can I just have ice water? And they look at me like, you don't want a soda? I'm like, no, because... I think the last time I was like, ah, okay, fine, I'll get a Diet Coke, and I hadn't had one in, honestly, probably 15 years. And mm. I had the worst headache. I'm like, I'm not doing that again. I'm done. You know, I, I didn't even yeah. drink half of it. I was like, forget it. I'm out. Um, yeah. And, again, that's me. There's plenty of people out there who are like, oh, what's the big deal? But, and that's fine for you. Um, but, it's, again, it's, it's collecting that information like you're giving and seeing – okay, where can I make changes the easiest, and then what am I going to have to work harder to do? Yeah. Because well, it's not fruit. an easy transition. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it is not. <laughs> so, yeah. And eat the fruit. It's good for you. <laughs> yes, yes. Pick all that low-hanging fruit and eat it. Yeah, uh, yes. and that's how I always just say, look, what can you give up today? What mm-hmm. is it? What, what would you, you like it, but you wouldn't really miss it, and we go from there. You know, but yeah. sugar and, and processed stuff. And most people really um, have a bad reaction to white flours, wheat, mm-hmm. because, and it's not even so much about the gluten, although that's a part of it for many people. The wheat itself is sprayed with glyphosate just before it's harvested. Mm-hmm. This is the whole wheat as well, but it's sprayed just before so that it's easier to harvest. And Mm -hmm. so think about that. It's killing the plant so that it's easier to harvest, and then that's being ground up and sent into your food. So you are getting very concentrated levels of a poison. 
So that's I think that's really where a lot of the problems are with the with the um, they they say it's gluten in, uh, sensitivity, but I don't think that's all that it is. I think it's also the right. poisons. So, but and even then, um, you know, so white anything processed, most wheats, unless you're sure that it's organic. <laughs> Right. And it's whole grain. Then, then it's it's. So just cut those things out. I mean, there are way yeah. there are so many substitutes for that sort of thing that are healthy and not expensive. You know, so yeah, you can and I think that's get away the other part of it. it. People worry it's too expensive. Yeah. You know, my food bill is half. Even when, before we moved here, my food bill was half going to this lifestyle. Wow. Wow. Well, I so, so appreciate when you you're today, Miss Kate. Thank you. Uh, this so you have been listening to Kate Kunkel. Um, she is uh, fabulous, and you need to check her out. Her book is "Don't Let the Memories Fade." Came out on Amazon just this past week, and she will help you basically make your brain so much better, and also decrease the chances of you getting um, having issues later. But you'll just feel better in general, which we all need. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And anybody who wants to reach out to Kate, go go to her website, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and her Amazon author page. All of the links are in the write-up of the show. Keep on reading, everybody, and take care. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions www.cosproductions.com Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. 